we could shut down the podcast in solidarity with the city <laughs> government. Open back up on uh, May 2nd. Yeah. Like, we didn't actually want to talk about this very important news. Instead, it was more important to make a statement that no one would hear. Yes. I don't think that's probably the way to go. Hello, it's Saturday, March 26th, 2016. This is episode 10 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. My name is Craig Stone. With me on the other end of the line is Kyle Askin. Howdy. So I just want to start by saying that we did a blog post, which we have not done since before we started the podcast. Uh, And what we wrote about is all the fees that you'll pay when you book a room at a casino hotel in Atlantic City. Uh, I actually did real research on this, so I'm pretty proud of it. I made phone calls. I talked to Hotels.com. I talked to somebody at the Borgata. I talked to a reservationist at the Tropicana, which is what they kept telling me they were called while I was on hold, to get the scoop on not just the resort fees, because anybody can tell you what the resort fees are, but what is actually included as far as the the occupancy fee, the taxes, Because, like, Caesars, when you go, they don't include anything. They don't include the $5 mandatory occupancy fee. They don't include the taxes. So, like, a $20 fee is $27.40 or whatever. Uh, $27.80, I think. And it varies a lot. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Like, a $10 fee at one place is very different than a $10 fee at another place. So that is something that is worth checking out if you are booking a room at a casino hotel. Um, Do you have anything you want to say about these fees? Did you even look at our very useful table of fees, Kyle? I did. I I have a couple things to say. So first, we definitely did not make a blog post. Craig made a blog post, so thank you very much, sir. Um, I was in no way involved in that, but uh, it's good. It's something that, that... you know, just to have a little meta conversation right now, it's something that I've always said. I think it's a good idea for us to start doing blog posts again. Not that we ever really did them in the first place, but uh, I think it just makes sense for our site to, to do that. So I know that there's a couple of things I've been thinking about writing about. So hopefully it's something we can start uh, putting a bit more written content on the site as well. And I have some ideas, some things we've talked about as part of the podcast in previous weeks that might have gone better at just as posts. So hopefully it's something that we'll have more of going forward. Basically, the big takeaway is that, you know, Caesars is charging more than anybody else. They've got a $20 fee, which is more than anyone just the fee alone. And then they also don't include that $5 occupancy fee or tax. So it ends up being $27.80. Borgata just recently introduced their fee in January. It's $10. They do include tax, but not the occupancy fee. So it ends up being $15. The cheapest is Golden Nugget, who does a $10 resort fee with the occupancy fee included and the tax, which means that the take for them is like $4 and something cents. Um, You know, like four, whatever that would be, 30 or something like that. And that's really funny because to me, it seems like it would make more sense for them to advertise their fee as a $5 resort fee. So so here's my question to you, and, and you might not know it. So... Uh, something that that I know and and you know too is when you book at Caesars, if you have a comp and you're a diamond like I I am for four days or whatever, uh, the only thing you have to pay is that five dollar New Jersey fee right. because my understanding is that you always have to pay that basically no matter what. So what happens if you're a comp at Golden Nugget? Do they pay that five dollar fee for you, or do you have to still pay the resort fee, or do you not know? I don't know that, and that's a really good question. I know that we've got at least one listener who stayed at Golden Nugget on comp rooms. Um, that's true. So I would be interested to hear if, if Steve is, is still listening. <laughs> um, but my understanding is that you have to pay it, uh, or that at least somebody has to pay it. I'm assuming the state doesn't care whether that's you or the casino. Or the casino. Or you. Uh, one interesting thing, actually, that I just want to touch on for a second is that Tropicana has a pretty low fee. It's 12 bucks. It includes tax and uh, 
and the $5 occupancy fee, so it's really effective like a, a $7 fee. But they do a weird thing because I checked – one of the ways that I checked what the fees were, um, if it wasn't totally clear on the website, was to go to third-party travel agency sites and put in a date and see what it, the price ended up being. But Tropicana – everybody else made perfect sense. Tropicana made no sense. And a $200 room ended up being over $260. And what I found out by doing some quick math is that they're charging you an extra $20 uh, and 48 cents per night. So I checked multiple stay dates, multiple stay lengths, and it's $20 and 48 cents per night extra under taxes and fees. And what's funny is that it seems like they typically give about a $20 discount on the advertised rate on these sites. So you, you end up sort of breaking even, but when you look at Tropicana.net, their site, you'll see $199.99. And when you go to Hotels.com or Expedia or anywhere else, it'll say 180 And so you think, oh, it's $20 cheaper, and the taxes and fees are going to be about the same, right? But it, it ends up being almost exactly the same. I think you end up saving just cents or maybe a couple dollars at the third-party site. So that's just something to keep in mind when you're booking to really look at the total price. The only thing that matters is the total price, and you know the fees can change based on where you're looking. So that's something that kind of struck me, and I thought it was really weird. I checked every other casino, and none of them do this. Every other casino in Atlantic City. I checked a couple of Vegas casinos. Even MGM, that charges fees on just about everything, does not add in extra fees on their uh, third-party website bookings. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, a little annoying thing that Tropicana does on third-party websites. All right, I think I think it's becoming a bit more common. Maybe maybe if not in the gaming properties, but in the hotel industry in general, because these uh, third-party you know internet travel agencies take like something like fifteen percent or something from the hotels when they bring them business. So they're trying to get some of that back. The travel agencies don't take a cut from the taxes and fees portion. Right. So so you just jack that up and and lower your base rate and they get less money and you get more money. Right. And so that's what we're seeing Trop doing. Uh and so when you see you know Borgata collects $10 at the hotel, like you'll see that little notice sometimes, which I think is also extra confusing cuz you see the rate and then there's this little notice that says the casino will collect $12 or $10 at the hotel on check-in. So that's another thing to look for, but um, hopefully everyone is aware of that, and if not, uh, just something to look out for. So so something that, that they did talk about in the last Vegas gang, and I agree with 100%, is that it is totally a thing that if any player in the market is doing it, everybody is forced to also do it, because else they're going to lose all their business to the company that's doing it. So either no one has to do it, like play this fee game, or but as soon as someone does it, everyone basically has to do it. Not and there's nothing they can do to to stop it because, you know, it's going to end up that one guy's going to look like they have a hundred dollar less room rates than you do, and they're going to get all the business. But right, yeah, and not only not only are they going to get all the business, but their you know quarterly reports and everything are going to look better because not only their advertised rates lower, but what they're actually taking is higher. So right. Yeah, go to our site, look for our blog post. It's if if it gets bumped down, which it will by this post, we actually have added a tab at the top of the site for resources and it is under resources and I hope to add other things there like, you know, parking rates and uh, I'd like to get more info on what statuses get those fees waived and that kind of stuff, but that's all stuff for the future. So yep. comps, we got comps. Uh, we got updated comps from resorts. You got some comps from TROP, right? Yep. Um, so do you want to start with what we're getting at resorts now? Um, well, so we talked last time about the just how I had every night comped and you had uh, every night except Saturdays comped, right? Right. So the update is that they're actually giving us both, I believe, a $20 food credit anytime we book a comp room there now as well. Yes. And uh, you talked about how you had a match play last time. I actually reached out to them via email and asked them to fix my address. And for some reason, I also couldn't see my pamphlet online, and they fixed that as well. 
Um, it was actually very painless to do it. They were very nice. It was like I was talking to real people in the marketing department the whole time, which was, of course, sort of a breath of fresh air. Usually you expect to be talking to like some ultra low person on the customer service totem pole who has no power. But I guess they don't have those people at resorts, which was actually quite convenient. So anyway, they fixed that. I actually have a $30 match credit every day. And um, yeah, so between that and the $20 food credit anytime we book, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, so I'm just looking at my calendar now at resorts, and I think for me, I get $20 match play and the $20 food credit. Um, and the match play is... It, it's you, get one, you get one match play from Sunday through thir- Thursday, I think. Yeah. And then you get a match play on Friday and a match play on Saturday. Right. So the calendar says like $20 match play on every calendar date, but the, mm. but it's only redeemable once in that Sunday through Thursday block, and then you can get one on Friday and one on Saturday. So that's, you know, that's pretty good. It's When I originally got the email, it just said you have one $20 match play in the period, um, and that was also what it said for the comped room. It said one Sunday through Thursday comped room, um, until the end of May, I think. And now it's saying that I get comps uh, Sunday through Friday, so just no Saturdays, and this $20 match play and $20 food credit. So that, to me, that's really generous. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that, and I'm pretty excited about trying to use a comp room on our next trip and, and seeing what these rooms are like and using these match play dollars. And uh, and just seeing what the process is like. And also, I think it'll be interesting to see um, what happens after that. <laughs> you know, because sometimes, I know with Total Rewards and even with MLife, when I first signed up, I was getting much, much better offers at the start when they didn't have a lot of data on me. And then once I went another time or two more times, all of a sudden the offers dropped off a lot because they kind of realized like, oh, hey, you actually don't have a lot of money. Um or don't bring a lot of money to gamble with. And so then the offers, especially at M-Life, just fell off a cliff. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if if that happens with resorts. I kind of expect it won't happen to that degree. You know, maybe I'll get a little less match play. Maybe they'll take back the Friday night comps, um, you know, after this period's over in May. But I, I'm very interested in seeing sort of how that goes and, and what the the results are of continued play at resorts. Tropicana, I'll just start by saying I got nothing. I didn't get a mailer. I don't, when I go online, I don't have any, anything in their system. Um, and I got a decent number of tier credits in one afternoon, in an afternoon when we weren't staying there. So I was definitely expecting to get you know, some weekday rooms or, I don't know, at least discounted rates, and I have nothing right now. Yeah, so I, I did get uh, an email and a mailer, and I basically get... Any night comped at TROP as well. It actually says two nights each week, Sunday through Saturday, which <laughs> I assume means any night. That seems to be what that would mean. And uh, I also have, like, you know, every day if I go, there's some giveaway that I can participate in. Get some knives or some umbrellas or, you know, whatever thing they're giving away. So that's that's interesting because you did not end up with significantly more tier credits than I did. Right. So so we talked about it, uh, whatever, two or three episodes ago after we went to Atlantic City, I guess two episodes ago. And I said that, you know, I know that I was gambling way more than you were at TROP, and I was surprised at the low number of tier credits I got, and I speculated it was because you don't get tier credits worth anything, basically, for playing the, the full pay uh, jacks are better which is what I played a lot of. And I think this kind of backs it up because, you know, I have very good comps now at TROP, but I still, I did not get tier credits for my play. And I, I, the bulk of my play was at a $1, which is a $5 spin, because uh, you always should do max bet, uh, was at a $1 Jackson Better machine. So I, I think they, they recognize that my play there, but I just didn't sort of go into my tier credit calculation as much as I would have thought it may have. Yeah, I'll I'll put it like this. It's like probably the equivalent of the machine at Caesars, which would have been probably 50 to one instead of 10 to one. <laughs> right. For tier credits. Uh, so I'm just looking at my latest stuff from Tropicana and it's still giving me forty nine dollar room rates uh, <laughs> Sunday through Thursday. <laughs> so I don't know if 
I've got a mailer coming and it just hasn't come, but it doesn't seem like that. And you're used to get you used to get way better trap comps than I did for whatever reason. Yeah. Probably because you played there more than me. Yeah, I used to get um Sunday Thursday typical comps. Um certainly off season and then whatever, ten dollars Starbucks credit, uh <laughs> which we've talked about quite a few times. Um, but I've certain, I've not gotten anything TROP Advantage branded in my emails. So everything, I think, has just been the standard rates that they send to anyone who's on their email list. I will say just real quick before we move on, it is worth noting that our speculation was that perhaps we only thought Caesars comped well because that's really the only place we've been playing, and I think this kind of backs it up. I mean, I played equivalently at all three casinos that trip actually i probably played significantly less at resorts than the other two caesars and trop and resorts and trop gave me way better comps than caesars did so i think that was correct when we said that perhaps caesars doesn't really actually comp that well but we just don't know any better yeah and i think that's interesting because there still is definitely that perception widely that caesars is the only game in town um you know certainly on a national level for Free rooms for low rollers. And well, it it certainly is the only game in town at a national level, but <laughs> right. But even in Vegas, you know, there are, I'm sure there are casinos that are going to give you comps. I don't know if they're, uh, you know, casinos you want to stay at. I don't know if we're talking about Ellis Island and Main Street Station and stuff. But uh, something tells me there are lots of places that are giving cheap rooms. It's just that a lot of people are in that Caesar's ecosystem, just like we were. Yep. So do you want to talk about this takeover thing? Sure. Yeah. Stuff um, happened. Well, a lot of stuff happened. So uh, I guess the big news that come out, came out in the last two weeks is we said last episode that whatever was going to happen was going to have to happen quickly because Atlantic City was going to run out of money. And it seems like Atlantic City is running out of money. And their plan right now is that they're going to shut down all non-essential services in the city on Friday, April 8th. And basically, it's gonna, they're going to remain shut down until Monday, May the 2nd, when they get the next quarter of their property taxes in. Um, so what this really means for everyone going to Atlantic City, or thinking about going to Atlantic City during that time, uh, everything's going to be open like normal. All the casinos are going to be open. All the restaurants are going to be open. Police and fire are going to be working. They've agreed to work without getting paid for those three weeks. I mean, they are going to get paid. It's going to, they're going to get paid after the government opens back up. But basically every other part of the government in Atlantic City is going to be closed. So if you need to pull some kind of permit or need you know, I don't know, public works for something or something like that. I don't, I expect that it won't get done, but that shouldn't really affect tourism. So I think what Atlantic City is hoping is that this won't have that big of an impact, but it's, I mean, I think we started talking about this, you know, maybe episode four or five, but it was quite a while ago, that it's never good publicity for your city to be going out of business, especially if your main industry is tourism. And it's probably not good for a city to, be shut down, especially in your main industries, tourism, even though it would actually make no difference for the vast majority of people who are going there. Yeah. And I think that that's something that they're trying to fight right now and, and trying to say, and you've seen it, Don Guardian say, you know, you will be able to come into Atlantic city and, and do what you normally would have done. Um, if you are getting a marriage license or a death certificate, you'll be able to do that. Police and fire will still be working, but um, just the city, City Council, City Hall uh, will be closed, but it's a it's a bad look. I mean, the perception is really pretty bad, and I think people it's it's hard for people to understand what it means for the government to shut down. I mean, you were down in D.C. or in the D.C. area when the federal government shut down, and I would guess for the average person, not a whole lot changed except a whole lot of federal government employees got some time off work. Um, right that I believe they were then later paid back for. <laughs> yeah, they've never not been paid back yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, so it's always good to pay people to not work, uh, which I 
don't think it's going to happen in Atlantic City. Maybe, I mean, maybe they'll back yeah. pay people, but... Uh, like I said, police and fire and other essential services are going to get back paid, but they're also going to be working the whole time. And I believe that there are some other people that aren't, in theory, essential that say they are going to work. And it's actually up in the air if you do work, whether you will or will not get back paid. I assume that they probably will, would be my guess. But I think if you're not working, I don't think you're going to get back paid during that time. And it's going to be like, you know, volunteer only or whatever, because the government will be officially shut down in Atlantic City. Right. So so the reason that Atlantic City went with this route, that, that Don Guardian went with this route, as opposed to uh, declaring bankruptcy or... Uh, you know, maybe missing a bond payment or missing a, a debt payment to a bondholder or, uh, you know, something more severe than that is that I believe that he, he thought this is like the least disruptive thing that they can do and make the money last as long as possible. They shut down City Hall. And then so May 2nd, they open back up when they get another quarter of property tax payments. And I think he said that it's going to be basically weeks after that that they're going to have money again. And then when they run out of money, you know, I don't know, either in May or maybe in early June, like they're actually going to run out of money. And there's going to be, you know, all the schools are going to shut down. They're going to miss all their bond payments. And so people aren't going to be getting paid. And that's really when it's going to hit the fan. Right. So it's definitely sort of a delay <laughs> tactic or you know, just trying to buy themselves time to hold on for whatever it is, pilot to go through the payment and right. taxes bill where, um, you know, we've explained this several times, I think, but uh, basically the casinos would give a flat payment based on their revenue rather than a tax based on their property value. And so, you know, the big problem, obviously, is that the property values have been reassessed. They were assessed incredibly high, you know, back in 2008, 2009, 10, 11 through the recession. And then they all came in and got their taxes reassessed. And that's why the city now owes the Borgata, you know, 150 or $165 million. And so that's why we're in this mess um, to begin with. And so the pilot bill, uh, well, let's, do you want to go ahead into the pilot bill? <laughs> Uh, sure. So uh, I think the the big news on the pilot bill that's come out. Well, so there's a, a couple pieces of news, I guess, about the pilot bill. Uh, the first thing, and this is only partially related, is it looks like the the pilot bill probably does have enough support to pass. Just the pilot bill on its own. Chris Christie has said that he will absolutely not sign anything unless the entirety of the legislation comes through. So basically, the the state government in New Jersey can pass the pilot bill as much as they want, and it's never going to actually be enacted because Chris Christie's not going to sign it unless the takeover goes through as well. Um, but the big news about the pilot bill that came out on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week is that the casinos lobbied the Senate to add a provision to the pilot bill that would allow them to opt out of the pilot bill and go back to paying property taxes if uh, a casino were to be legally able to open or maybe if it actually does open in North Jersey. So we talk about these pilot and takeover bills in tandem because Chris Christie has very much put them together as an all or nothing thing. Um, right. And he's he's been very clear that it is an all or nothing thing. And I... I suspect, I mean, say what you will about Chris Christie, I, I suspect that that is not something that he's bluffing. <laughs> no, I don't think he is at all. So <laughs> so the Senate has actually approved the takeover bill. Just It was a huge you know, majority approving the takeover bill. Yes. The Assembly still hasn't voted on the takeover because they, Correct. like we talked about last time, don't want to be um, – don't want the bill to allow the state to bust the public unions to, you know, void collective bargaining. So, so, all right. I think to, to be clear, um, according to Chris Christie anyway, and I actually don't have any reason to doubt him on this, uh, like they've done the canvassing. If the bill was put up in the assembly, it would also pass easily. I think the takeover bill, but uh, that, the assembly speaker, uh, Vincent Prieto, is blocking it because he's the one that can, I guess, propose legislation. And he's not letting this get to the floor. Uh, I think the two things he wants changed are he wants the basically ability for the state to break all the collective bargaining agreements to be taken out of it. And he also wants the state not to be able to privatize the water authority in Atlantic City. 
Right, and it definitely seems like it would p- pass. Uh, I had seen another source, not Christie's office, I think it was another assembly member basically saying, yes, this would pass <laughs> uh, if it went through. And Prieto's just kind of holding out because I guess he, you know, like you said, he has those two issues that he's fighting against. Um, so Christie's basically said, you know, if Atlantic City goes bankrupt, this is Prieto's fault. Prieto says, hey, you had Pilot twice and didn't do anything with it. So if, if this happens, it's your fault. So there's all this back and forth. Um, and, you know, now Christie's accusing Prieto of of being like a lackey for uh, Steve Fulop, who's the mayor of Jersey City, and saying like, oh, you're just trying to get him into um, the governor race and and you're basically campaigning for him or whatever, which I don't really see how that benefits Fulop if Atlantic City goes bankrupt. But ignoring all that, ignoring the sort of political angle of that, um, the pilot bill, getting more into the pilot bill and the movement to allow casinos to opt out if North Jersey casinos open up. Um, Jim Whalen, Senator Jim Whalen, said that the language was added after some of the casinos reached out to the governor's office. Um, Don Guardian was asked about it. Uh, This is all in a Christian Hedrick article in the Press of Atlantic City that I'll link to. Don Guardian said he doesn't really like it, but he'll support the bill overall because it gives them other things, like it guarantees a set amount of revenue. from the state, so it seems like he still would prefer this over no action, <laughs> Guardian, but there's a real issue here to me, which is that this was a surprise to people, right? The, the fact that this was a surprise is really strange and kind of off-putting, and it seems like it was something that was recommended by the Senate Budget Committee um, that we talked about last episode, or two episodes ago, that they approved it um, and sent it on to the Senate and it seemed like they changed the wording and it really got glossed over, like very briefly talked about. And so the question is, you know, what is, what's the point? Like, what's the point of having this pilot bill if the casinos can just opt out a few years down the line and, and you've kind of got this weird situation now where the state is making legislation that's allegedly helping Atlantic city and creating this pilot bill. And then they've got legislation that effectively like flushes this pilot bill where they're trying to get North Jersey casinos put in. So they're supporting both of those things. And in a way it seems like they're supporting legislation that undoes the legislation that they're creating now. Um, So that really struck me as odd and kind of dumb. (laughs) I mean, for lack of a better word, but I think it's probably not dumb. It's probably all very well thought out and possibly with, you know, other agendas, but it just seems like it's really putting the screws to Atlantic city in my, in my view. So I, I don't think it really matters personally. I mean, the casino opt out. Yeah. Here's the thing in my mind. um, Atlantic city is dead. If there's North Jersey casinos, uh, Basically, I mean, it won't be dead. I mean, there will be a couple casinos open still. And, you know, who knows? Atlantic City can come back in another iteration as a more normal, to to have more normal jobs, to have maybe less of a tourism economy. But from my viewpoint, Atlantic City, you know, if, if four more casinos go out of business or something, like, at some point it stops being Atlantic city to me, right? There's some number of casinos. If there's not enough there, then for me there, it, there's, it stops being whatever it was. And I think if these casinos do open in, in North Jersey and there's this pilot bill that basically locks the casinos into paying some higher amount of money than they would be paying if they did property taxes, which would, because Atlantic city would be, killed by the North Jersey casinos, the property values would go way down. Um, it, you know, the the good thing would be that maybe not as many casinos would go out of business right away if the revenues would go, or if their tax, their taxable bases would go down again. But it wouldn't be good for Atlantic City, but 
the city, but it, it might be better for Atlantic City as sort of a tourism environment. Because like I said, I think if these North Jersey casinos open, you know, we're going to lose like at least three casinos, probably. Probably four. Yeah, I mean, it really seems like that's the worst case scenario and then any legislation uh, sort of be damned. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, that's a good I mean, point. My- my my instincts are if there's like a, a North Jersey casinos, like we'll probably have like Tropicana Caesars, Harrah's and Borg and maybe whatever the iteration of the Rebel that's going to open up. And that's probably it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think unless they're going to do something major that really shifts the what attracts people to Atlantic City. And I, right. I think people have been talking about that for years and it hasn't happened. And, um, you know, I think one of the major things that goes on in Atlantic City is that the casinos don't worry necessarily about bringing more people to Atlantic City. What they think about when they make moves is how do I get the people who are already coming to Atlantic City to come to my casino instead of the other casinos? And how do I get the people who are already coming to my casino to give me a little bit extra, whether that's resort fees or raised parking or worse odds in video poker or six, five blackjack or whatever that is. It's so much easier to do that. And it shows up so much quicker on your quarterly reports and everything that the whole idea of creating a bigger attraction and trying to get other people to Atlantic city doesn't even register and is also such a huge gamble, right? To invest in something that big is so much bigger of a gamble than just going with what you know and trying to take people who you already know are coming to Atlantic City, that it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. And people have been talking about that for 20 years, about you know building out other things, building out the infrastructure, creating other attractions, and the casinos have never done it. So the idea that they're going to suddenly be desperate and now have this appetite to invest millions of dollars into non-casino things... It seems pretty unlikely. I think that I, I think putting the blame on the casinos is not necessarily what we should be doing. I mean, I, I don't know much about this, but my understanding is in the initial bill that passed in whatever nineteen seventy six or nineteen seventy eight, nineteen seventy six, I guess, is that basically the casinos aren't allowed to. Like, basically, if you're an executive of a casino or you're high up, like, you're not allowed to do anything political. You're not allowed to serve on any, like, planning boards. You're not allowed to do, like, anything like that. And basically, you lose your casino license if if you do. So, and, and I know that Steve Wynn has talked about this. Like, I mean, I think it, it's it's a problem where, you know, he places basically all of the blame on on you know, either the city of Atlantic City and the state of New Jersey. I mean, mostly the state of New Jersey because they're the ones getting all the revenues and not investing it back into Atlantic City. And I don't know how much the casinos could do because if they're not allowed to sit on planning boards and try to figure out, like, what the best path forward for Atlantic City is, then they can't really do anything. Right. There's plenty of blame to go around. City, state, um Casinos. I don't think the casinos are totally blameless because I think no, they have I mean, a lack they're, they're of foresight. <laughs> um, right. Just to see that if they had done things to create attractions the way they do in Vegas, right? The way they create things in Vegas, uh, and the casinos have really driven that um, development, that more people would come and it would be better for everybody. But you know, there is a lot going on there. I think the state really makes that difficult or or at least kind of makes that less attractive than it should be. So yeah, certainly plenty of blame to go around and putting it all on the casinos. I agree is totally not fair or accurate. Um, So moving on to some quick other notes uh, about the city council, obviously nothing as pressing as the shutdown. Um, So they have talked about dissolving the water utility. And we mentioned this last episode as though it was something that was going to happen, um, bringing it in and making it a city entity. But they ended up not voting on it. And this, I think, is either the second or third time that they've brought it up and ended up not voting on it. And uh, it seems like there's a lot of questions about whether that's something that's actually good for them or for the people of Atlantic City, whether 
them bringing it into the city uh, makes it or exposes it to bankruptcy and all that. So, so they kind of punted on that. Um, the other thing that they did decide on was auctioning Bader Fields, which is the, an old airport. Uh, they decided to put it up for auction with a $155 million minimum bid. Uh, there is currently a pending lease agreement with Bader Field Sports um, to put up temporary athletic fields there. They are urging city council not to move forward with the auction. Uh, somebody representing the company at city council at a city council meeting, I think Rudy Garcia said that that money goes right into the coffers of Borgata. So he's basically saying like, why are you just basically giving Borgata money by putting this thing up for auction? Um, the answer to that to me is pretty obvious, which is that that's where the debt is, <laughs> right? They need to pay Borgata a lot of money. Well, one of, one of their many debts. Um, so the question that I have is, will anyone pay $155 million for Bader Field that's been sitting there dormant for years and years? Thoughts? Any takers? Uh, Are you coming with $155 million, Kyle? Um, I have to talk to my accountant, but <laughs> at, at this time I'm not planning on it. No, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if I had to speculate why they're doing this, it's probably just to be able to say that they're doing it. It's not really an auction if you put a ridiculous minimum bid on it. Yeah, I don't think anybody's coming in at that amount, and I think they know that. And I think right. this is all a reaction to Steve Sweeney, who's um, in the state Senate, saying, oh, they should have sold off Bader Field. They should have sold the water utility. And now they can kind of say, like, well, we tried to sell Bader Field because they had said in the past, Guardian had said in the past, like, Bader Field is for sale. If someone wants to come and bring right. an amount that we would accept for it, we'd sell it right away. And right. and that hasn't happened. And so now they've put $155 million on it. And uh, and that just doesn't seem like it's realistic. Glenn Straub was at the city council meeting when this was discussed. And he said, um, this again, Christian Hedrick <laughs> from Preston Atlantic City, said, I'm here to take care of some of your problems. Let me develop Bader Field. I am a developer. This is a small project for me. Um, so that's, you know, a very Straub-like quote. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to guess that him saying that is not him saying I'm going to pay $155 million for it. I think it's him saying, you know, when you want to sell this at a discount, uh, come and talk to me. Um so I don't think he's going to come to the auction with $155 million. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe he comes in and says, you know what, I want it, I'm going to do it. I just don't see it. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, you know that's like twice as much as he paid for Rebel. Yeah, that seems... I personally would rather have the Rebel than Bader <laughs> Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Casino Reinvestment Development Authority, the CRDA... Uh, has approved $9 million for Atlantic City events. Uh, all of this is going to Live Nation, which is a big concert, uh, an event planner, event booker. Uh, so $6 million of that goes to a three-year deal with Live Nation. For more beach concerts, it requires a total of six concerts over the course of three years, and they each must attract 30,000 attendees or more. Uh, there's another $3 million to Live Nation to run events at Boardwalk Hall for the next three years. And uh, my understanding is that the reason this is relevant is because the sort of marketing arm that the CRDA created is being dissolved, and they were doing a lot of these free concert events, and so now they need some other way to do that. And so the way that they're going to do that is by giving money to Live Nation. Uh, so... You know, the Blake Shelton concert, the I don't know what other concerts. I think there was a Maroon 5 concert. Uh, that kind of stuff is now going to be handled by Live Nation. And hopefully there will be more uh, big events in Atlantic City without the need of that marketing arm. I don't know if you have anything to add about Atlantic City events like this. We've never gone to any of them. Nope. Uh, well, we went. Didn't when we went in the fall? Like there was a big concert there, and it made, that's why it was like so expensive when we went. 
Yeah, I can't. Was that Blake Shelton? Was it Blake Shelton? Or was it Rascal Flats or something? Oh, I think it was Rascal Flats. Yeah, and so the room rates when we were went in August insanely expensive. <laughs> yes, yeah. the rooms were expensive. I mean, it's good good for Atlantic City. I mean, anytime they have these big concerts, I mean, they get a lot of people. So yes, so um, seems fine. Other sort of event like news, we talked about Premier Nightclub and the Wave Nightclub last episode. Wave is opening on April first. Premier Nightclub had previously mentioned that as their opening date. They're now saying that they're going to open April 8th. Uh, they didn't, that I saw, uh, announce any kind of performer. There's no Skrillex or Tommy Trash um, to speak of on April 8th, but I'm assuming they'll have someone. Um, interesting that it's the same day as the government shutdown. Uh, so you've got Wave Nightclub opening April 1st, Premier opening April 8th, Plan your oons accordingly. Uh, and then also April 8th through 9th. Kyle, I'm assuming you just don't care about talking about Premier Night Club right now. Nope. <laughs> cool. So also April 8th, maybe something you are more interested in talking about. Uh, the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival is April 8th through 9th. Uh, tickets are $55 in advance. They're $60 at the door. Still available for all three sessions. The sessions are Friday at 8 p.m., Saturday at noon, Saturday at 6 p.m., and what that gets you is four hours um, in the convention center. They give you a little glass that you fill up for free at all of the various uh, brewery booths that they have there. We went for our friend Craig's bachelor party a few years ago, yes. and it was a really good time. I don't remember it being quite this expensive, but it was a really good time. I want to say it was like $40 when we went. Yeah, it was, I think it was a significantly was like smaller event. Yeah, I think it was a smaller event. I think less music acts. They've got bigger name music acts now. Yeah, I don't really remember too much about the music in there. Um, I just remember drinking a lot. Yes, and you know, the the booze flows. Uh, <clears throat> they will fill your little cup um, like it's nothing. Um, and it was a good time and we got pretty drunk and then came back to the casinos and and went and drank. Lost all the money. And, yeah. uh, and not went and drank, went and gambled. And I thought it was really fun, and it's something that you should probably do if you're if you're interested in craft beer. They've got a really good lineup of craft brewers, so definitely something worth checking out if you're in the area uh, or if you're just a huge beer aficionado. Yeah, no, it was a great time when we went. Yeah, so other news um, that was pointed out to us on our Facebook group, which you should join, um, or the Do For A Win Atlantic City Discussion Group on Facebook. Uh, it is at facebook.com slash groups slash do for a win. We've got over 20 members now, which is impressive to me, probably not to other more established podcasts that have thousands of members in their Facebook group. But uh, good discussion going on in the Facebook group, which I'm really happy to see. And one of the things that got mentioned was Ed, who we've talked about several times and interact, who's interacted with us quite a bit, uh, made a post talking about Cafe 2825, which I had never heard of. Uh, really? No, I never heard of it. Hmm. So they won NJ.com's Best Italian Restaurant in New Jersey. Uh, this was an interesting choice because Chef Vola's obviously is in Atlantic City um, and certainly the most famous uh, Italian restaurant in Atlantic City. Uh, so... Maybe a little bit of a controversial choice, even among Atlantic City restaurants, and this is New Jersey as a whole. But I'll say I read the review. It's by Peter Genovese um, on NJ.com, and it really made this place sound great. Like, I really want to go <laughs> after reading this review. So definitely something I would like to go to, maybe someplace to take my wife uh, if we ever make it down. So it definitely sounds good. Um it's on Atlantic Avenue. It's directly out from the quarter at Tropicana. So, did you? What do you think about this choice, Cafe Twenty Eight Twenty Five, uh, as the best Italian restaurant in the state? I mean, I can't really speak to it because I've neither. Well, I've never been to Cafe Twenty Eight Twenty Five, nor have I been to Chef Ola's. But I have heard of it. Uh, basically, it's like consistently one of the very, very top-rated places on Yelp for whatever that's worth. Um. So it's been something that's been on my radar. I mean, it does have some like minor advantages over Chef Ola's in that you can get in <laughs> without like 
planning ahead quite as far and it's not cash only and whatever, which I think both those are probably part of the charm of Shuffle is. But uh, everything I've read about it has said it's very good. It's been something I've been interested in. I mean, it's like one of the like top three or four places when I'm consistently looking up like places to go if me and my wife go down or whatever that, that I've been wanting to check out. Yeah, I, I definitely want to go after reading the review. Um, I know, I think it was Eric in our Facebook group. Yes, Eric said, not even the best Italian in AC. Chef Olas is the best I've ever had. So um, certainly Chef Olas, yeah, I think, has the reputation and the, and the longer history. Uh, Cafe 2825 has been there for 30 years, kind of a, um, you know, hidden gem or whatever, not necessarily a hidden gem, but, uh, not something that's talked about nearly as much as Chef Volo's or even other, the casino Italian restaurants, you know, Martirano's gets talked about all the time, (laughs) but, uh, definitely someplace I want to go at some point. So we have gotten some listener emails. So one of them is Justin asking about boutique casinos in Atlantic City. And what he wanted to know is if Chelsea or Claridge were to add a small casino, um, he thinks it would be a good thing for Atlantic City. Uh, It would be good for the overall experience. And he says, one of the advantages HC should have versus the freestanding casinos is the experience of being able to walk or cab to the marina to a number of different casinos. I mean, I think you and I both agree that that is an advantage. I mean, that's yeah, we've we've talked about it already this episode when I basically hinted that AC kind of stops being AC if it's like down to four casinos. I think having a lot of casinos in, in one area is a big part of the draw. And I think if it's like three casinos, like I don't even know if there's like a podcast anymore or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that would be a sad podcast. Um, so he said having more of those smaller gaming options on the boardwalk seems like it should be a net positive for the city. Um, so, right. I I think I you forwarded me his email and I, I wrote back to you and I think you took my answer and incorporated some ideas of your own and wrote back to him. But uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I can see the argument that it could be advantageous, but I don't know if, you know, I've been to Nevada. I've spent time in like, you know, parts of Nevada that aren't Las Vegas, where it's like, you know, every bar has a few slot machines or video poker machines or whatever in it and every motel and whatever. And I don't know if it really adds that much. And like, I think if a lot of these hotels were adding a small casino, it would be actually like a couple slot machines because it's just not worth the overhead to put in like three table games and have dealers and stuff like that. So I'm not really sure. I mean, you need some amount of you know, play to to be able to justify putting in table games and making it a legitimate casino. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they have to be legitimate casinos. I think that's definitely a good point. Um, so the legislation behind this is that the state passed a bill in 2011 lowering the room requirement from 500 to 200 rooms. So the requirement was that you had to have 500 rooms to have a casino in Atlantic City. Um They've lowered that to 200. It's limited to right. only two casinos. So this idea of having casinos littering the boardwalk, you know, small casinos peppering the boardwalk up and down, uh, certainly not allowed in this bill. They're requiring that both of them are new construction, and one has to have plans to expand beyond 500 rooms um, at some point. And so, right. So, so yeah, I, I replied to you, and I said that that I know for a fact that this boutique hotel rule is basically passed because Hard Rock was going to come in. Uh, they were going to open a boutique hotel down at Albany Avenue, which is the site of where Stockton College is actually going in now, I believe. And so that was the plan. They were going to open a, a small boutique hotel, and then kind of revel happened, and it stopped and started. And then when it finally did open, it was a disaster, and they decided they didn't want to do that anymore. And they were actually one of the main people that was always interested in buying Revel after it went out of business, too. Right, and so the state has tried to remove these restrictions twice, the uh, the new construction and the um, getting up to 500 rooms. And both times it's totally stalled out. I'm guessing that's because the existing casinos are fiercely opposed. <laughs> yes, I can tell you that there's nothing that uh, Gary Loveman, well, not Gary Loveman, whoever his replacement is, 
the old Hertz guy, uh, once less than more casinos in Atlantic City. <laughs> right, and so I know the Chelsea, which is down by Tropicana, is interested in this, but they can't do it with that new construction rule in, in place. Mm-hmm. And so one of my, my thoughts on this is that, you know, now that the boardwalk's down to five casinos, I think there's less of a reason to sort of do the walk up and down the boardwalk. Down the boardwalk it's a little bit more difficult to casino hop, uh, and this would help with that feeling. But I think the fact that, you know, three boardwalk casinos closed within a year (laughs) is going to be a pretty big reason not to do this. And I don't really see it boosting gaming revenue immediately. Um, It'll probably just keep gaming revenue sort of stagnant and take away from the bigger players. Um, You know, it would hurt the larger casinos. Probably resorts in Taj Mahal that are already struggling are going to be hurt significantly. So, you know, I think it's a tough sell. Uh, I'm I, I'm interested in the idea because I'm interested in sort of the long-term idea of what makes Atlantic City better. And I think something I've been thinking more and more about lately is this idea that maybe Atlantic City needs to look more at downtown Vegas as a model rather than at the Strip. And I think there's been this idea that we're going to make the boardwalk into the Vegas Strip East, and that's never happened, and people have been talking about it for 30 years, and it's never happened, and so my thinking is, you know, can you figure out a way to sort of draw gamblers with better gambling, lower limits, smaller casinos, um, and even with tons of competition, it's sort of this draw where it's this party atmosphere, you'd probably have to allow open containers on the boardwalk, which (laughs) I know you're in favor of. And just do something to make it a little less corporate. I think that's a big part of it. And having sort of a more personal feel that draws people in, makes them feel like they're at some place that is not just this big faceless corporation like Caesars or like, uh, you know, even Boyd Gaming or or Landry's who owns Golden Nugget or, you know, Carl Icahn is a hedge fund manager. (laughs) So, (laughs) so. You know, resorts is really the only casino left in Atlantic City right, that's, that, not, that's not owned by some big company or some big corporate guy. So uh, the, that sort of personal touch, like nobody's providing that. There's no Derek Stevens who owns the D and the Golden Gate in Atlantic City, you know, at the bar, at the lobby bar or the, you know, video poker bar every night shaking hands and welcoming gamblers to the place. Uh, and that's right. something that I think is really missing and maybe an opportunity uh, to get people to sort of feel more invested in a property and feel like they're more welcome at a property. Um, but again, tough sell when you've got three boardwalk casinos closing in the last, in, or not in yeah, the last year, but in, in a year period, uh, a couple of years. It's going to be, it's going to be a hard thing to pass because like I said, there's nothing that the existing casinos want less than more casinos coming in. And, and while I, I think that it's not necessarily bad for Atlantic city, if you did allow these boutique casinos, I, it's just going to be a hard sell. It's going to be a hard thing to pass. Right. Um, so semi, I mean, there, there's, there's other stuff they can do like to make the boardwalk more interesting. I think just like sprucing it up a bit would be good. Like when we were walking between Caesars and Trop, it, looks like they're had some new construction on the boardwalk that we both commented looked really nice. And if it was the right sort of thing, like we commented, it it looks like it could be something like a brewery. Like that would be somewhere we'd be interested in stopping in, you know, anytime we're doing that walk, I have no idea if that's actually is going to be a brewery or not. Probably not, but (laughs) it's so, it looks like some kind of restaurant. Yeah. I mean, it it looked nice. I mean, I think, you know, get it, uh, a few bars up and down there or something. I think it could be cool, but you know, and like you said, I, I am in favor of allowing open containers only on the boardwalk. I think could be a nice, uh, compromise between sort of people who want open containers in more places. And I'm sure some locals who want open containers nowhere. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think there, there are some things they can do to help try to bring in more tourism. Uh, it's something I've thought about a lot and maybe something we can go into more depth in a future episode. If, if less stuff ever happens in Atlantic city, less crazy bankruptcy state takeover stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, but related to that, uh, listener, I'll put that in quotes, Paul, because that is my brother, <laughs> uh, who started listening to the podcast recently asked, uh, as someone who has been to Vegas a bunch of times and likes Vegas but has never been to Atlantic City, 
If I went to Atlantic City, where should I stay? What kind of things should I make sure I do while I'm there, etc.? Or should I even bother going? Uh, so I think this is related. I mean, Vegas allows open containers, and we talk about drawing more tourists in. Vegas certainly doesn't have a problem with that. Would you say it's is it worth going if you're just a Vegas lover and not really a gambler? Because I think that's his situation. He's not a big gambler. He likes the experience. He likes going to the fancy restaurants. Um, he likes sort of the big spectacle and of the hotels and everything in Vegas. Is it worth going to Atlantic City if that's your uh, your purpose for going to Vegas? Maybe. I mean, if he if you legitimately like don't really like gambling at all. Like, I, I don't know if there's much of a reason to go to Atlantic city. I mean, I think you'd be better off going to Philadelphia or New York or wherever. Um, if you're like a moderate gambler, I, I think you can have a great time in Atlantic city. Like maybe if, if like if Paul were going to Atlantic city, I would suggest a hundred percent. He should stay in Borgata. I think that's the hotel he would like the most by a pretty wide margin. Just, knowing what I know about Paul. Um, I think there's plenty of good restaurants both in the Borgata and, you know, he can take a taxi to, to, you know, whether it be Chef Vola's or Doc's or wherever. Um, I, I think there's plenty of good food there. I mean, there are certain advantages to Atlantic City, like there, there is an ocean, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it could be worth it, but I think if you legitimately, like, if gambling is not a draw at all, I wouldn't suggest that he go. Yeah, I mean, I think he does gamble a little, and I think one of the things that I mentioned to him is that Atlantic City does compete with Philadelphia and, and D.C. and New York in terms of that sort of big city spectacle. So, you know, it, it's harder for them to sort of build up something that looks like Vegas when the people who want that can go to Times Square. <laughs> you know, if right. you want big shows, you can go to New York. If you want the best restaurants and the most famous chefs, you can go to New York. Uh, so Vegas has all of that, but, you know, New York competes with that very directly, very closely. Um, so I think that's tough. And I, I actually worry a lot, um, or not a lot, but I worry sometimes when I used to take the bus down to Atlantic City, that there were people on the bus who were coming from other countries, and they were getting on the bus from New York to Atlantic City, and I was kind of like, hmm, are they going to like enjoy what they're going to? <laughs> like, I sort of worry that people come to the East Coast or come to AC expecting the Vegas of the East, and I think that's definitely setting yourself up for disappointment. Because uh, it's, you know, there is no other Vegas. It's Vegas, it's crazy. Um, Atlantic City is the closest thing to the Vegas of the East, but just because there's nothing else even close. Um, I agree, definitely stay at the Borgata. You know, check out the quarter at the Tropicana. Maybe if you're into the pool scene, do the pool at Harrah's. Um, and then beyond that, I think there's some other things that you can do. You can go shopping at the Walk, which obviously is not a Vegas-like experience, but it's just sort of a nice thing to do in AC. Uh, yep. Maybe more like the Vegas experience is the shopping and restaurants at the playground, although the playground has its issues. <laughs> um, right. But there there are, like, you know, the the same sort of stores in the playground that you would find in, you know, the pier shops at Caesars or whatever the, uh, you know, at Crystals or wherever. Right. The uh, Not the pier shops, but the forum shops. The forum shops at Caesars. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. There's just less, the, less closed storefronts at the forum shops and right. the Miracle Mile and, <laughs> and all yeah. that. Uh, and then I would say once you've done all those other things, go just do the walk from Bally's Wild Wild West Caesars and go up to resorts to, to get the Atlantic City experience. Like walk along the boardwalk from from Bally's Wild Wild West to resorts and go in those properties just to see sort of what Atlantic City is is like, and that's. Because I love those things, and I know that a lot of people say that those are the things that sort of might make Atlantic City crappy, or they'll like use those as, as prime examples of why Atlantic City is not Vegas. But I think once you've done the other stuff, like once you've seen the Borgata and you've been like, okay, this place is nice, and you say, okay, there are good things in Atlantic City, 
then go see the other things and sort of see the character and the history. And, you know, Resorts was the first casino on the East Coast and that kind of stuff. Um, legal casino, at least. And and see that stuff and sort of experience the the real Atlantic City, if you will. Um, although there are certainly people who would say the real Atlantic City is not in a casino. <laughs> uh, but that's sort of what I'd recommend. I, th- I think it's worth going... I mean, obviously, I love Atlantic City, but I think it's worth going and to, and to see. I think it still has a lot of that sort of vibe that other big cities don't have, which is that Atlantic City and Vegas were built around getting people to enjoy themselves and then to gamble. <laughs> um, or, well, they were built around gambling and, and getting people to come enjoy themselves was a way to get people to gamble. But other big cities are built around, you know, trade and and just in general people going to work right and and atlantic city and vegas are not that you go to them it is all about what you want to do that is fun and having your own good time and making your own good time and so i think it's worth going because you still get that vibe even the bars and the restaurants just feel very different than like a new york city bar or restaurant because everybody's there on vacation having a good time nobody's there after work and uh, so I think it's worth it for that. There's just something about it that I can't really explain that feels totally different and um, about being in sort of a casino town than being in like New York or D.C. or Philadelphia or any of those cities. I agree 100%. But if they don't do something, like I said, won't be a casino town. It's true. There's like two casinos on the boardwalk. Then <laughs> There's no reason to go to the boardwalk. Yeah. That's nice. And, and say, say what you will. Uh, you know, Borgata is always going to be there. Like if every other casino closes down, Borgata will still be fine. And cause I, I think they've built up enough of an ecosystem of their own that that will always be like a resort location that people will want to go. Even if there is nothing else in Atlantic city, there's enough stuff to do in Borgata that you can go. But you know, the Marina is not to me. It's in Atlantic city, of course, but it's not, it's just fundamentally different than the boardwalk. It's it feels disconnected somehow from the rest of the city that that the casinos on the boardwalk don't feel like. Yeah, and at some point, you know, it's it's Connecticut, right? At some point, you've got Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods just because right. they're really nice and they and they will succeed, um, and and they succeed on their own merits, and it's not you know succeeding because you've got this big ecosystem like Vegas or right. Atlantic City and and and, and Harrah's and Borgata will succeed. Right. Uh, so another listener, uh, Mike C, posted in the Facebook group asking members to offer up their best names for the former Revel property. He suggested the Pearl Palace. Uh, I think you adjusted that to the Pearl. I liked it. Uh, I suggested the Traymore, which is a nod to Atlantic City history, one of the old casinos. Um you jokingly right. said what the United States Hotel, which is yeah, the book. United States Hotel, um, the the first uh, hotel I believe in Atlantic City, right? And then you know the Marlboro Blenheim is obviously the one that everybody sort of recognizes as the biggest and sort of most interesting looking hotel. Uh, there are a few others, but you know like Shelfonte Haddon Hall is now resorts, so I, I think that's out of play. <laughs> Dennis, the Dennis Hotel is now the Dennis Tower at Pally's, but um, the Traymore would be interesting. I, I don't know that. Glenn Straub is aware enough of Atlantic City's history to go with something like that. The Pearl, I, I like that a lot, and I like the idea uh, that somebody mentioned in the Facebook group. Eli said, that's a nice nickname for the ball on top of the Revel. So I think that's good. Um, everything else I had was a totally joke suggestion, like, you know, Glenn Straub's Pleasure Paradise uh, is a nod to Back to the Future 2, or Polo More North, um, since his company is Polo North, but... You know, I think the Pearl is is a good name, so we'll we'll send that. We'll talk to Glenn Straub's people and and send that along. So I just want to thank everybody who has been posting on the Facebook group. Um, I noticed that Mark from You Can Bet on That is a new member, and that's very cool. So hello to Mark if you're listening. Um, Wednesday night into Thursday morning, we were getting new members every couple hours, which was very cool. I think it's because um, one of our members posted about it on. The Wizard of Wizard Vegas, Vegas section, yep. Uh, which, which, just so I mean, I've been like a long, long time lurker on those forums, 
and you know seen all the changes that have gone through there so but thanks very much to to ed for for posting our our info on there yeah i mean it's really cool to see the activity and the discussions and people sort of interacting with each other and that was really what i was hoping would happen with it is giving people a place to talk about atlantic city and it's helped us out because we've gotten a couple um hints at at story uh or topics to talk about that we wouldn't have had otherwise yep and you can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash do for a win. Uh, you can also find our podcast, all the show notes, all the links to all the uh, Amy S. Rosenberg and Christian Hetrick and Wayne Perry articles <laughs> at <laughs> doforawin.com. That's also where you can find my blog post about the resort fees and hopefully more blog posts to come. Yep. You can find us on iTunes if you search do for a win or... Atlantic City. We should be the first show that comes up. Uh, we are on Twitter at Do For A Win, and you can email us at Do For A Win at Gmail dot com. And we look forward to hearing from you. And thanks for listening. Yeah, uh, thank you guys very much. Uh, it's pretty cool that we've been around for ten episodes already. It feels like we just did episode one yesterday, but it's been a pretty fun ride so far. And I'm interested to see what what happens over the next couple months and how everything in Atlantic City gets resolved. Agreed. Thanks for listening. Yep. See you guys in two weeks. So people at the Press of Atlantic City are excited for this episode. I saw that. They kind of think we're assholes because like, half the time I'm like, do we really know what we're talking about?